Hey, hey, Tuesday morning. We're getting closer to Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And I heard on the radio the news uh, when I was coming into work last night that Tuesday is the busiest travel day at the airports. So today is the day. If you are attempting to get out of town, if you are attempting to catch a flight, today is expected to be the busiest travel day of the Christmas week. And get this, 113 million Americans expected to be on the road. I could be wrong, but that's nearly a third of the United States of America is going to be moving. I think the last I knew, our population was about 330 million-ish. Maybe it's grown. Well, it probably has, considering. Never mind. It probably has grown. So, uh, 113 million may not be a third. However, that's a lot of people on the move. And when you think about today at the airports, uh, I would say... Get there early. Maybe listen to our podcast. How about that? I'm driving, but not until Wednesday. Again, I'm driving again on Wednesday. My family's worth it. They are. They're so worth it. I've told them this. A lot of people heading out, so please be safe. And yes, take our podcast with you after hours, amylawrence.com. This is my last hour until next week. So I'm out the rest of the way. My mom's already at my brother's house. She's staying for the duration of the holidays. And so I don't get a lot of time with her. So I'm heading back down there uh, to be able to spend a week with her and my brother and my sister-in-law, my nieces, uh, mom's husband. It's, I'm hoping, a relaxing week. Sometimes the dog, not so relaxing. But she's going to. Penny's going to. You don't have to ask. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. P.S. I know I sound like a man. Just let me just get right out in front of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I'm just sorry that I sound funny. I actually don't feel terrible. Just a little tired. But uh, I'm thinking someone passed along their cold. I just don't want to pass it back to my family. So I got to feel better by Wednesday. We had the last game of week 15 in the NFL on Monday night. It was cold, speaking of cold. I bet there were a few people who had colds at Lambeau Field. The formula always for winning football in the NFL, like it or not, is run the ball, stop the run. And we have seen that emphasized more and more this season. Think about the number of teams that have emphasized ball control and running the ball, even if that wasn't their MO before this year. Now, that's what Tennessee does, right? We know who they are. But there are teams out there who are adopting that philosophy, recognizing that if you possess the ball, of course, you don't give it back to your opponent, well, then it's a lot harder for them to hurt you. It's hard to score without the ball. Hey, there's a bug in here. I'm pretty sure, Producer Jay, that that is your job responsibility. That's your job description when there are bugs flying around the studio. I thought I just had the crawling ones. To, oh, is that how we make a distinction? You I thought, only I thought that have was the, it. Oh, interesting, because I don't remember ever saying that. Uh, maybe they came out of the poinsettias in here because no one's watering them. They're just they're weeks? hemorrhaging leaves. Three and a half weeks? No one's watering the poinsettias. Yeah, they arranged them. They brought them in. They're alive. They stacked them up on books. But... 
They're dying because no one's watered them. They're not my poinsettias. I suppose I could water them, but a lot of times I just want to get out of studio as quickly as possible. Also, I think it's amusing that they went to all the trouble to put poinsettias in here, but decided, eh, watering, oh, that was enough. watering them is too much trouble. Last year, we had a Christmas tree in here. It was awful. It was dropping le- or needles, not leaves. It was dropping needles. It was also hemorrhaging its greenery, and it was all over the floor. So this year, they did not put the Christmas tree here, but they did put the poinsettias in still. No one's learned the lesson. Right. Nothing still watered. Who's in charge of foliage at CBS Sports Radio? It's an excellent question. Yeah. No one, know. maybe? Could I said about a lot of different things. But. Yeah. <laughs> Who's in charge of the Christmas decorations? Some of them have hit the floor. Some of them are still here. So happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Run the ball. Stop the run. The Packers have an advantage at Lambeau when it's, I don't know, 17 degrees. As Aaron Jones said on Westwood One after the game was over, it hits a little different for those defensive players when they try to tackle you in this kind of cold. Football just inside the eight-yard line of Los Angeles. Rogers shotgun. Dylan to his right. And he takes hands off to A.J. Dillon, busting his way inside the five to the goal line. And he piles into the north end zone. A.J. Dillon on an eight-yard touchdown blast. Rodgers under center, Dillon the lone back, Lazard motions inside. And here's the handoff, Dillon follows Lazard, right side to the end zone, touchdown! Touchdown! A.J. Dillon and the Green Bay Packers. It is 16 to 6. Aaron Jones. Oh, that was an ugly word. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. That has always been the best option for the Packers. Now, they got away from it multiple times this year. Whether cold or 80 degrees, that's still the best option. I know Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw a ton of interceptions. He threw his 10th one last night, I believe. So he's... Generally a guy who takes care of the football, but he's also seen a lot of duress. He's also seen a lot of traffic in his pocket. And so run the ball, stop the run. And you can tell that they were committed to that. Even when the run game or the running backs were used out of the backfield in the passing attack. Packers second down and goal. Shotgun snap and a quick sideways throw. Caught at the 10-yard line. Got a block at the 5. Into the end zone. Dropped as he crossed, but he got into the end zone. That is a catch and run for a touchdown. And it was Aaron Jones, the running back, who got it. Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. Before that, Wayne Larravee on Packers Radio. Just one touchdown for Baker Mayfield and the Rams. So no late game heroics orchestrated by Baker in this one. Instead, it was a smothering Green Bay effort on D. Mayfield looks it over. Under center. Stack to the right. In motion off that stack. Atwell to the left. Mayfield play action. Deep drop. Steps up. Hit by Smith. And covered up back outside the 45-yard line. Preston Smith again! Man, we always go out there each and every game trying to do our best. And, um, you know, we, we all played at a high level tonight. We played together and we played sound. You know, sometimes you don't even know what the stats are until the end of the game. The second half was huge. I mean, we dominated the time of possession in the second half. And uh, unfortunately, there was a little lull there, I think, where we had the punt. And then we, we had the fumble where we had an opportunity to kind of, like, just really close out the game that we didn't get it done. But the all in all, it wasn't perfect. Um, and there's a lot of things to 
still work on, still improve upon, and but you know we're happy with the win. And I thought the Rams came in and uh, played with great effort as well, and we'll enjoy it tonight. That's it, just tonight, and then back to work because the Packers are still alive. Their playoff hopes are on life support. They're they're on a ventilator right now, uh, but they are still alive. They're just going to need a bunch of help in addition to winning out. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. 138 rushing yards for the team, which is actually about the same number of yards that the Rams accrued total. Preston Smith had two of the five sacks against Baker Mayfield. Another nine QB hits in there. There was a takeaway as well. Uh, So this is total domination. And while the Packers keep their playoff hopes alive, Sean McVay, the Los Angeles Rams, officially eliminated from playoff contention. As a Super Bowl champion, they match the earliest elimination that's ever taken place. So a little bit awkward. But the Rams, as a defending champ with three weeks to go, only one other team has ever seen those playoff hopes extinguished with three weeks to go. That was the 1999 Broncos. Uh, and that was after John Elway had retired in the wake of back-to-back Super Bowls. Certainly not the way that Sean McVay expected this season to play out. I think it's hard to say that you could. You know, you certainly can't, but but this is the reality that we're in. And uh, this is where we're at. There's a lot of things that when you look at it, uh, especially when you get a chance to step back after the season's over, right, how do we try to avoid some of these things? My job is to focus on let's finish up the season um, you know, with the right competitive spirit, with the mindset and mentality that's reflective of who those guys are in the locker room and who those coaches are, and, and that's what we'll do. But uh, there's been a lot of uh, things that I've kind of thought about you know, that I think you, you can make sense of why you've gotten here, uh, but it still uh, doesn't make it any easier, and it's a very humbling season for sure. I didn't expect, you know, this to happen, but, you know, it did. And uh, the biggest thing is just um, fighting, having some pride. Uh, there's still games left. And, um, you know, still playing at a high level regardless of the situation. I think it's, I mean, it's fairly obvious why the Rams struggled so much this year. They went through their top two quarterbacks. They didn't have Cooper Cup. They had a revolving door of running backs. They only had one offensive lineman who played, who's played every single game to this point. Aaron Donald's been out for a couple of weeks. So they've had a ton of injuries. Every team deals with that. I think, if I remember correctly, they only had two guys who've started every game on the offensive side or who have played every game on the offensive side. But no one's going to feel sorry for them, obviously, because they're the defending Super Bowl champions. And they had a magical run in 2021. Obviously, being able to host the Super Bowl and win it on their own field was just a cherry on top. It's after hours, CBS Sports Radio. As for the Packers, it feels a whole lot different when you are winning and when you have something to play for in December. If you win a game, vibes are pretty good. and uh, We've just been practicing a little bit better. Energy's been a little bit better. It's hard to put uh, your finger on it. Um, we played a couple teams we should have beat. So that being said, it's still tough to win in the league. And I've, I said it earlier, I think we can beat anybody. We can also lose to anybody. Um, but when you win a couple in a row, it starts giving you some confidence. Now we're playing against some better football teams down the stretch that, uh, that we can go to Miami and win. That's coming up on Christmas Day. 
the Dolphins and the Packers. It's one of the themes of this year in football is the struggles of the Packers and the Buccaneers. What were the chances? What were the odds that both those teams would finish below 500? And I guess there is still a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, their their paths have been tied, it seems like, all year long. Lots of questions about these two. Uh, certainly we obsess over the quarterbacks. Yeah, I love Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> they, uh, they have their teams in position. They could end up in the playoffs. A little easier for the Buccaneers because the entire NFC South is below 500. But if they have another game the way that they did on Sunday, blowing a 17-point lead at home against the Bengals, they could find themselves falling back into a tie in the NFC South division, depending on what else happens in Week 16. So what do you play for then? When you know that you're eliminated, what do you play for? I think that's a question that these guys have to answer now. And I appreciate that Leonard Floyd, he would say, hey, there's still a lot more on the line here. We can't just mail it in because a lot of us who are thinking about the future and our next job. Win, win the next last few games, man. Put good stuff on tape. You know, uh, we still being evaluated. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys got to fight to keep their job and try to win at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Just got to keep balancing the two. You know what I'm saying? Put good stuff on film and fighting to win. Yeah, it's not just about the playoffs, though, of course, that makes it a lot easier to keep going when you have something to play for. Definitely about jobs now. There's guys being evaluated. There's guys who aren't expiring contracts. There's guys who are only on one-year deals. There's guys who don't know where they'll play next year or what the offseason looks like. It's kind of the downside or the, the business of football that can be harsh. So The Rams are facing it. And I've already started to hear the rumblings about whether or not Sean McVay will reconsider and will walk away. I don't know. I don't know Sean McVay personally, but if it's me, this is not how I want to go out. The question was asked of Tom Brady, why are you still playing? I thought it was wise. Speaks to his experience. And before the end of the hour, you'll hear Brady explain to you why he continues to play football. On Twitter, A-Law Radio, also on our Facebook page. Got some photos up, and we are planning on recording a Christmas video. You're just going to hear me sounding like a man. Sorry, not sorry. I just don't want to give anyone else the cold. Jay, I don't want to give anyone else the cold. I would hate to do that to somebody. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you would never do that to me, right? I couldn't think... I couldn't even dream of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We had a chance to talk to J.P. Shadrick, a Jaguar senior insider and reporter, earlier on the show because there's a lot of buzz coming out of Duval country. So we'll bring back part of that as well. Uh, career milestone for Damian Lillard on Monday and also Donovan Mitchell facing his former team. Thanks so much for listening on a Tuesday morning. We're hurtling our way toward Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to you as well. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
holds on to it. Gets it to Dame. Dame slips, drives, goes up and under, around, banks it in! Ties the game with 3.2 seconds left, and the Thunder will use their last timeout as they have one final chance. That's a bad man, that Damian Lillard. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Damian Lillard was busy last night. That's Blazers Radio. Game that Portland did not win, but a career milestone, even as they fall in Oklahoma City. It's Travis Demers on, uh, I think it's Blazers Radio, right? Or was that the OKC call? Okay. So, along the way in the third quarter, Damian Lillard hits a three and ties Clyde Drexler, the Hall of Famer, for most points in a Blazers uniform. And Dame has spent his entire career with the Portland Trailblazers. 730 games, if you include last night. But it was on a free throw that he was able to take over the record all by himself. Here is Lillard for the record. And he knocks it down. Congratulations to Damian Lillard. Knocking it down from the line, 21 points. And he has now moved past Clyde Drexler for the all-time scoring mark in Blazers history. Congratulations to Damian Lillard. I've always admired his commitment, his loyalty, which is rare in sports when it comes from the athletes. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not criticizing athletes who leave and go somewhere else. I would never do that. It's a business. It's their business. They should do what's best for them, just like we do. The number of job changes I've made over the course of my 25-year career, it's astounding. In fact, this is the longest I've been in any one place. It's rare. And so we begrudge athletes that even though we don't hold ourselves to the same standard. And I get it. We are emotional and irrational and illogical about our favorite players. In a perfect world, they would stay with our teams all the way through. And yeah, there are some athletes who will do that. But it's not right to hold them to a loyalty standard when it's their business and they have a limited window in which to succeed and sign contracts and make money. But congratulations to Dame. I have always admired his commitment to Portland. He wants to win there. Maybe that changes at some point. Maybe he decides it won't happen in Portland. But he's oppor- he's had opportunities to leave. And he's chosen to stay put. And so for that, Blazers fans should appreciate him. All 730 games. But also appreciate the fact that he's not about records. He's about W's. Tough loss. You know, I thought um, anytime you lose the buzzer, it's a tough way to, to go out. Um, you know, but we... We had our opportunities and just, you know, it didn't go our way. Obviously, it's not the same as, as if we had won the game. You feel better about it, but, um, you know, it's a it's an accomplishment that, you know, came with a lot of losses and a lot of wins, you know. So, um, you know, I don't want to not acknowledge it. You know, it's an honor. It's a great feeling to, um, I guess, reach the, the top. Um, it's been a goal of mine, and, you know, the, the list has so many great players, you know, the great history of the organization, so the... Um, to climb it and be number one is a um, a special accomplishment that I'm proud of. Um, you know, I'm thankful for all the, the people that played a part, like I've been saying, for the last couple of days. But, 
Um, you want to you wanna enjoy that moment in the win. And, um, you know, even during the game tonight, I didn't, I wasn't playing focused on getting to the record. You know, I was playing the game and uh, just trying to win. And, you know, I, it, I knew it would happen eventually. And, um, you know, it just, it's a, uh, it takes it takes away from it a little bit, you know. You want to win and and experience it. Big fan, big fan of Damian Lillard, and similar to say Chris Paul, who's a sentimental favorite. If he has an opportunity to get back to the NBA Finals, I would root for Dame. I know a lot of the NBA community would root for Dame, and he's done it the right way. And I don't mean just by staying in Portland. I mean he carries himself the right way. He's a great example. Kevin Calabro with the TV call, and then Dame himself following that loss in Oklahoma City. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Not quite a milestone, but a moment worth mentioning as Donovan Mitchell faces his old team, the Utah Jazz, on Monday. Four on the clock. Mitchell, two on the clock. Into the lane. Crow steps to the basket. Laid it in as the shot clock went off. Donovan Mitchell. With some holiday moves right there. It was good, man. You know, like I said this, this morning, man, it's, it's it's always good to play against you guys and have fun. Um, you know, I think the, the bigger game will probably be when we go back back out there. But as a whole, for a group, as a team, we played really well. We did a lot of really good things collectively. Obviously, we shot the ball really well. So Donovan Mitchell kind of plays it down, this reunion, but knows that on the flip side, he... And his team will be in Salt Lake City. If you didn't see his comments or listen to the Mark Spears podcast, Donovan was more open about his time in Salt Lake. And I think in sharing his feelings about living in the city, he was not only genuine and honest about his experience, but compares it to what he's feeling in Cleveland now. Talks about the racism that he saw, which is not exclusive to Salt Lake, to be fair. He tells a story about being pulled over by a police officer and feeling like the cop was giving him attitude until he showed his ID. And that made him think about all of those young black men who were pulled over that maybe didn't have the opportunity to say, I mean, in a manner of speaking, do you know who I am? And I... And, I don't know that Donovan said that. I'm just kind of giving you the scenario. That's his version. I want to be careful because I don't know the police officer. I didn't hear the the officer's version. But he's fairly pointed in his comments about his experience being draining in Salt Lake. And so that's on the Mark Spears podcast. I think it's Anscapes. Did we say that? Anscapes with Mark Spears. The link is on our CBS Sports website. What, Jay? Just Anscape. No, not Anscape. Oh, sorry. Anscape with Mark Spears. Of course, it'll be a big deal when he returns to Salt Lake. I can imagine the fans will shower him with praise and there'll be a video. I still go back to why did Danny Ainge trade him? It doesn't make any sense to me because I think he's a cornerstone piece. I think he's someone that you build around, but that's just not who Danny H is. So he's starting fresh, and it sounds like, in Donovan's opinion, it's a better fit for him. And, of course, they love him in Cleveland. The call on 
Cavaliers Radio. You know what's coming, right, at the end of this week? The unofficial start to the NBA season. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it doesn't annoy me when people say that, but how often do you hear that? Oh, that's when the NBA season really tips off. Well, you missed a lot if you're just getting to the NBA season now. But I know football is a bully and takes up a good chunk of the center ring of the circus. Coming up on Sunday, it's actually interesting to think about how the NBA scheduled these games, thinking that they would be really attractive battles. And some of them will be. I say Milwaukee and Boston. You're talking about two of the best teams in the East and really two of the best teams in the NBA. Memphis and Golden State maybe doesn't have that shine. Though, if Steph is playing, if the superstars are out, well, Ja Morant, that certainly brings eyeballs to the TV. The Lakers and the Mavericks. Okay, probably not flocking to the TV for that one. It's 11.30 in the morning on Christmas, L.A. time. But hey, before you scoff at Sixers and Knicks, do you know the Knicks have the longest win streak in the NBA right now? Got to make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, they've won seven in a row. The Sixers have won five in a row. I know we're not yet to Christmas, so there's a chance these winning streaks could end. But right now... The Knicks have got the hot hand. The NBA officially tips off on Christmas. So what will you watch? So I told you the NFL has urban sprawl. Remember going back to the year of the COVID year where the NFL for the first time ever played games on every single day of the week. And it was because they were retooling the schedules, kind of scheduling on the fly. They had to, right? Because... There were teams that had to clear COVID protocols, and and their goal was to play every single game, which the NFL did in 2020, played every single game. But they played on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and, of course, on Sunday. And I said to you at the time, the NFL may take a step back, but it is not relinquishing this real estate. No. Now that they've got a taste of playing on every single day of the week, they're going to keep doing it. <laughs> they're going to figure out a way to host games on every single day of the week. Now, coming up this weekend, it's Thursday. The bulk of the schedule is on Saturday, and now Sunday, Christmas Day, as well as Monday. It's urban sprawl, I'm telling you. The NFL's version of bullying and urban sprawl. You know the NFL's crazy? Definitely is. If you missed it earlier, I got this little tidbit. We call them nerd alerts. Ooh, I'm actually impressed that my voice did that. We call them nerd alerts. There was no game in which the margin of victory was more than 12 points this weekend. Packers-Rams, 24-12, was the widest margin of victory. That was Monday night. Uh Uh-huh. No, it's not rigged. Nerd alert! Every week, I aim. Every week, I get those tweets or Facebook posts. It's definitely rigged. My mom says that to me every now and then. But she mostly thinks the NBA is rigged, so I'm going to have to talk her out of it yet again. On Twitter, A-Law Radio, there's photos. What a cool surprise. I wasn't expecting to be on anyone's Jumbotron on Monday. And also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Coming up, 
a chunk of my conversation with J.P. Shadrick because the Jags and their fans have got the fever. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Trips to the right. Elliott now the running back in place of Pollard. Shotgun for Prescott. He drops a throw. Looking, looking. Fires middle of the field, and that ball is picked off. It is picked off by Rayshon Jenkins. He's running it back along the right sideline. That is going to be a touchdown. That is going to be a touchdown. The Jags are going to win it on a Rayshon Jenkins pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. That is one of your candidates for TD of the week. The Rayshon Jenkins pick six in overtime off a tipped ball thrown by Dak Prescott. And Jacksonville snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, not just once when they were trailing by 17 points. But twice because Trevor Lawrence fumbled the ball away with 90 seconds to go and the defense held in overtime. That might be the most that might be the most talked about replayed moment of the Jaguars season, and maybe the last couple seasons, considering that the Urban Meyer campaign was a disaster last year. Before that, they were the worst team in the league, so they ended up with the number one pick that became Trevor Lawrence. It's been tough sledding for the Jags, but not anymore. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It was cool to catch up with J.P. Shadrick, who is a longtime reporter for the Jaguars and their radio network. And I asked him, what's the reaction in Jacksonville as the Jags actually have playoff hopes, games that count in December? I think it's about time, right? I mean, this is a Jags team that is young. It's a new coaching staff. It's a second-year quarterback. It's a defense that had a lot of new parts in free agency and in the draft, and they had some hiccups earlier in the season. I mean, it started 2-1, and one, but then they lost five in a row, and they had fourth-quarter leads in a lot of those games and just couldn't figure out how to finish a football game, it felt like. And then, um, you know, it kind of came to a head in London in Week 8. Um, Jaguars had it. Trevor Lawrence threw a couple of interceptions in that game, including one on a first and goal at the one, and it just kind of unraveled there. But since then, uh, Trevor's been playing better football, and the defense is opportunistic. They're giving up some yards, but in key moments, they've been okay. They're starting to take the ball away again, so um, they're getting winning results against pretty good football teams now, too, when it matters. And all of a sudden, they control their own destiny for the playoffs, which is remarkable to think about. Ooh. If you would have said that week nine, uh, that it, with three weeks to go, the Jaguars would have controlled their own destiny, you'd be crazy. But uh, they are. That's the way it is. Three to go, down one in the division. They've already beaten Tennessee once. You'll see them again head-to-head in week 18. So the fan base is over the moon right now. <laughs> it, is, it is a Jaguars town for sure. How did they keep going or keep working or not lose confidence during that five-game losing skid where people were sputtering out the same old lines about this is the Jaguars, it doesn't matter who's coaching, blah, 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 questioning Trevor Lawrence? How did they stay steady during that stretch? Well, I think it's Doug. I think it's Doug Peterson. I mean, he's it's his messaging. It's his consistent day-to-day approach that never wavered. 
You know, there's there's never he's the same guy, at least that I can tell, day in day out, win loss, okay, lose a fourth quarter lead again, okay, let's come back Monday and figure out why and. Here's what we have in front of us. All our goals are still out there. We're playing football. We play again on Sunday at 1 o'clock, and we're playing the next nameless, faceless opponent, if you will. And <laughs> it's all its all about the Jaguars, right? It's all about us improving and trying to finish as a football team, and we're all in this thing together. that That's really, I think, what kept this group going. And, you know, in, in years past, when you'd have a stretch of losses like that, it would turn into – eight in a row or okay they might sneak one and then lose four more um no there's a there's a little bit more poise and confidence now and i think that comes with that steady everyday approach that doug has um and that's comforting and that i think is a big reason why they're where they are right now then jp when you look around at the top teams in the afc so we're talking about the Bills, who are 11-3, and three, same record as the Chiefs. What separates the Jaguars from teams like that, or the Bengals, or even the Ravens, who have had some extended success? Let's start with a little bit of where they are, right? Okay, consider the last couple of years around here, and the Jags still are 6-8, and eight, by the way. It's not like they're <laughs> not 10-4 Cincinnati right now, or <laughs> Buffalo 11-3, right? Let's just, I don't know, I want to, I don't want to get too far out in front of our skis here, but um, you know, the offense I think is pretty darn close to what they like. They've got a little bit of a running game with ETN. He's had a fumbling issue, but they can, they can work on that. And, and maybe if they have a secondary back to him, that could, that could help out. And then hasty's kind of stepped up there. The receivers have been fantastic for them. A lot of people gave them flack for the amount of money they spent on Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and free agency, and uh, to that point, Evan Ingram, the tight end, on a one-year deal. But all three of those players are, if not already past career best seasons, they're on their way within a game or two of having career numbers, all three of those guys in one season. So they've done a good job there. I think they could get another true deep threat on offense and be able to maybe hang with those teams. I think the quarterback's pretty close to being able to make a lot of the throws that some of those guys you you listed can do. Some of those teams have defenses too, uh, Baltimore. So, okay, um, and, and Buffalo, right? I mean, those those teams are complete both sides of the ball teams. And I think this defense does need – they put some a lot into it, a lot of equity, a lot of cash and free agency, a lot of draft equity. There's been some holes there uh, at times this year, especially in the secondary. This is a Jags organization that's had troubles over the years, and I think we've talked about this on your show, Amy, that they've had trouble re-signing first-round picks. And it's not just a recent phenomenon. It's about a 15-year phenomenon. They've only had, I think, one first-round pick that they've signed to a second deal here. And we're seeing some of the effects of that now on defense, right? right? I mean, right. they had Jalen Ramsey here. He didn't make it to a second contract, right? It was a, the right pick. He's a great player. But he didn't make it. He moved on. He, he got traded. And then they tried to backfill that uh, with C.J. Henderson. Well, that didn't work out. He's off. He's gone. Uh, Carolina, right? So now they've had to double up and go to free agency and get Shaq Griffin, he wasn't playing that well this year. Then he got hurt. 
and he's on the bench, right? So they're trying to backfill the, the cornerback position from two first-round picks ago still. So that's where they are. That's where That's the difference, I think, in some of these established teams in the AFC. They've had, you know, eight years, six years of consistent drafting and success and keeping those guys as a core group. And the Shags team's not quite there yet, but they feel like they're on the verge of starting that kind of a run. A lot of excitement, a lot of buzz in Jacksonville. A lot of Duvals showed up on my social media. J.P. Shadrick of Jaguars Radio, he's a senior reporter. There's more there about Doug Peterson and what he's meant to the organization. Uh, so you can check that out on our podcast, After Hours, amylawrence.com. He said he hopes that his phone rings again soon or that we send him a text again soon to have him on the show because it means we're talking Jaguars football. Yeah, it's kind of fun, too, to look at the infinite possibilities over these next couple of weeks, right? Because there are only four teams that have made the playoffs each of the last three seasons, and the Packers are unlikely to extend that to four. Now, they could, right? They're six and eight. Um, they're not out of it. They're not officially eliminated, but they have to win out and get some help. But think about the other teams. We know that roughly half the NFL playoff Bracket turns over every year, but this could end up being a little extreme this season because we're looking at right now all of the NFC beast making it in. We're looking at the Seahawks who weren't there last year, right? We're looking at the NFC West having a different champion. Now the South in both the AFC and the NFC has no winning teams, which means that it's completely wide open we could have the Falcons or the Saints or the Panthers overtake the Buccaneers. And in the AFC South, because the Titans have left the door wide open, in fact, they've kicked it open and said, hey, it's lonely up here at the top. Do you want to hang out with us? Just climb through this trap door. They've dropped four in a row. And now the Jaguars are in a position where they could overtake the Titans because they play again before the season is up. Love that. The Titans were the number one seed last year. Even if they do end up winning that division, I don't believe they're a Super Bowl contender. Certainly the the Bengals and the Bills, the Chiefs, those could all be repeat division champions. But there is definitely going to be some turnover. I'm looking forward to it. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of the NFC South, Tom Brady talked about the painful loss to the Bengals on his Let's Go podcast on Sirius XM and NFL radio. But he also answered the question posed to him by Jim Gray. Why are you still playing when it's so bad? You would think, oh, well, why is he still playing? Because all you want to do is win. And that's all sports should be about is winning. And I agree. It should be about winning. But it's also, I, I'm looking at like, no, what am I learning? What am I learning from, you know, putting a similar amount of energy in over the last couple of years and not winning? What is that teaching me? You know, why should we feel like we're just entitled to win all the time? We're not. That's not what life's about. You know, and I think anyone who's gone through life and struggles at their job or struggles in other aspects of life, when you do put effort and energy into it, you know, what are you learning from that as opposed to, you know, why is that happening to you and for you? You know, why, why you're not a victim of that. We're not a victim of losing games. The sun came up today. We got something to do about it. We woke up. We have a chance. Why, you know, this is not the time to, 
you know, feel sorry for yourself. So get up, go into work and make it better and improve it. No pity parties. The sun came up. We're still playing football for a living. We're not feeling sorry for ourselves. Yeah, that's not only mental toughness, but it's being an adult. <laughs> You're still playing football for a living. You're still getting paid a lot of money to play football for a living. So why do you keep playing even when the success isn't there? Well, because he enjoys the process. Because it's heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears. And it's just as important to Tom Brady. But he did say losing sucks, too. <laughs> that he was awake at 3 a.m. And couldn't get back to sleep. And was is furious. And it was another crappy night. Though he didn't use that word. All right, I'm out the rest of this Christmas week. You've got, I don't know, six minutes left to send your guesses for the number of M&Ms in our After Hours Christmas Mason jar. You can see that video on Twitter. Vote for TD of the Week. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas to you. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.